With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I love the city, I've been proud. Treading water that they drown. My head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 85 of the Smash Accept Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore DadFF. And I am just stoked. I mean, right now is such a fun time for Smash Accept. We have Smash Accept 5, Listener League, kicking off with rookies in the startup. Smash Accept 1 through 4 all started their rookie drafts uh, yesterday. I mean, it is a fantastic time since I'm in all the leagues. But to be a part of Smash Accept, our group chat just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and guys are just super active. So love you guys as a community. You know, I love how much you guys are supporting us. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, we have we have Mung, who's in Smash Accept 1 on today. Ian, who's in, welcome back to the show, who's in, in Smash Accept 3. You know, and I'm going to reference some of ours. And we're going to just give you an idea of what's going on right now. I mean, if your rookie draft didn't start yet, we are going to hit you up with everything you guys need to know. So, Ian, welcome back. How you been doing? Thank you. I've been doing well. I've been doing well. Uh, missed you guys. Missed talking football every week, man. I, I, you know, this is the greatest episode. This is one of my favorite episodes. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited, man. The first one after the rookies is fun because, you know, Mung and I say it every year. is like we love listening to the analysts talk about the rookies, and we love that. Now it's like, yo, we get to put our take on it. We get to put our spin and put some actionable advice there. And you now know, it's real. Now start it's to come real. out with our own rankings, like Mung just did. How you doing, Mung? Hey, what's going on? Yeah, uh, that was a pretty crazy draft. Um, I, I love the direction that the NFL is going in with all these trades, but uh, certainly makes it harder on us to uh, try and figure out some of the buy sells in the moment. But yeah, I have all my one quarterback and superflex rookie rankings over at fantraxhq.com. You guys can check it out there. And if not, uh, it's pinned on my Twitter too, at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to the next couple weeks dissecting some of these trades. I mean, the A.J. Brown news and and all the different trades that have happened and, and doing those things. But today is all about rookies. So we're going to talk about, in our rookie drafts, we're in four different smash except drafts. Brees Hall went number one in three of them. Uh, another one was kind of an anomaly there. Someone really wanted a quarterback, but Brees Hall in smash five went at pick 207 ahead of DeAndre Swift, ahead of Christian McCaffrey. And people are that high on this guy. I mean, I was just on a podcast at 25 yards later. You guys should check them out. But I mean, Brees Hall at this point, you know, the, the comp is that I keep seeing is, is Matt Forte. I mean, he is a top eight dynasty running back. We all wanted, especially you and the IE, and we wanted Michael Carter to be a thing. We're truthers. He's not going to go away completely, but we're looking at the closest thing to a three-down back in this class and someone that I think you know automatically goes into that top eight spot. 
the crazy thing is I've been seeing a lot of trades, you know, some trades to move up. I believe we had a couple in, in across our leagues there. You guys that were, you know, in one and three, everyone was shopping that 101 because it was the only thing there. Talk to me a little bit about Brees Hall and if you guys saw any movement. We'll start with you, Ian. Yeah, uh, I did not see any movement in my three leagues that have drafted so far. The 101 went, like, literally I hit the draft button in my league that I commission, and it went within the first second. Like, dude wasn't even contemplating uh, trading that. Um, from what I've seen, the the 102 is where everyone's trying to trade down. Um, and the offers I received at 102 were not good. Um, people want to move up to the 102, but at the same time, they're not willing to give up anything of value. Yeah. Um, so I think with the 102, just take your guy, honestly. Um, if you're not going to get a decent offer, just take your guy. Um, anyone from two to eight is probably going to be ranked. At some You'll find one ranking where the player you like is 102. So it's there's so much uh, differentiating between those players that, uh, you know, you'll find or someone's ranking, whether it's Mung's, whether it's someone else's, where the player you want is at 102 in their rankings. Now, Mung, I mean, here's here's the interesting thing. I mean, we all agree Brees Hall is the 101 of this class. It's it's a down class. The exciting thing is, for all of you that have those 2023 firsts, all of our analysts have said there's eight guys better than the 101 this year. You know, eight guys that would have went ahead. John Laub went as far as to say there are 10 guys. So if you got those 23 firsts, Though on Dynasty Trade Calculator, they have gone up already. We talked about that. As soon as the NFL draft is over, 23 firsts are going to go up. They went up by a point. I know that's not a lot. They're going to continue to grow up, go up. So maybe the thing to do is start targeting some of those 23 seconds. But Mung, Brees Hall, he's the 101. But how high up do you have him in your Dynasty rankings? And have you you know formulated a plan there with that yet? Yeah, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that because he actually is not my 101. Um, I have both Drake London and Jamison Williams above Hall. I think Hall is a good runner. He's a good receiver. He can do it all. Uh, I'm not sure that he's going to get that workhorse workload that we want to see from some of these elite backs. And, you know, leading into that, I'm still working on updating my overall dynasty rankings. But I don't think that he's going to crack, you know, the first round of startups, even in one quarterback for me. Yeah, I mean, he went the second round in ours. I feel like he's probably going to be a late second kind of guy just because of the buzz there. I personally, I mean, from from what I've seen from Hall, I mean, the production profile, the athletic profile, I know a lot of people want to say Jonathan Taylor, you know, and that's not that's not where we're at. But when we had on John Laub, I mean, he was saying in his last nine years, it's it's Jonathan Taylor, Zeke, Saquon, and then for him, it's Brees Hall. Production profile, the way he does his grading, and I feel like we can't overlook that. I mean, I feel I feel like in this class, because of how many wide receivers there are, if I had that 101, I'm definitely taking Hall. And I understand your take because both London and Williams landed in a spot where I think they're going to uptick in value. Yeah, I mean, there there are a lot of wide receivers, but to me, the only ones who have that true number one upside uh, are London and Williams. Yeah. Um, but certainly, I, I think the upside is there for Hall as well, which yeah. is why those top three, uh, cons- or my top tier consists of those three. 
Well, and we're right now we're just kind of going about 99% of the drafts are going to have Hall go first. I mean, that's what I'm seeing on Twitter. That's where I kind of believe it's going to be. And we're going to talk about our own biases with some of these things. I mean, you know, it, it, as as Ian said, it's going to be up and down. But uh, Ian, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about Hall. I, when I was on 25 yards later, I said, you know, this is the extremely poor man's version of the Bengals. Zach Wilson definitely gets an uptick here with Garrett Wilson. He gets an uptick with with, uh, you know, Brees Hall, that offense just improves drastically. And they get Juice Gardner, too. So, I mean, like, it feels weird saying the Jets won the draft because they were so good the whole way across. But what do, what do you think of Brees Hall with the Jets? Well, I think that, A, you know, a lot of people are talking about is are there too many mouths to feed there? And you brought up the, the perfect example of the Bengals where they have just as many weapons, if not more, than the Jets do. And they, they figure out how to feed them all. Mixon still does a lot of work in that offense. Um, but a I lot think of you, negative game scripts too for the Jets. I mean, that's the thing, true. you know, so like they're going to be throwing. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, I think that, you know, what's crazy about the disparity in this draft is even with Brees Hall, you see that disparity, even though he, for the most part, is a consensus 101. I've seen him ranked as running back to not even one. You know what I'm saying? Like I've seen Kenneth Walker ranked in front of him. So who I think actually landed in a better situation. We can get well, let, that. Let's, let's move on to that. Cause my one Oh two, and he's been my one Oh two there. And that he's the consensus across our leagues, you know, is the one Oh two as well. Is Kenneth Walker the third, you know, and you look at the Seahawks situation, Chris Carson, this definitely describes where he's not ready to be back on the field. Rashad Penny had a great six game stretch there over 695 yards and really won people a lot of fantasy championships. However, he's been a ghost for most of his career there. So, I mean, I don't think either of the, I don't think, I think Brees Hall gets a bigger workload right off the bat. But when I was on the podcast later, earlier today, I was saying, I think Kenneth Walker is the kind of guy who might take over by midseason and really be a, a league winner type. And, you know, he lacks that pass catching usage is what everybody says, or ability. It's usage. He did not get used as a pass catcher. We'll see what he's able to do. And I feel like, Again, it's going to be a lot of negative game script there in Seattle too, but Kenneth Walker is a guy where, and I know among, we talked about you have a couple wide receivers up there, but because of the limited amount of running backs in this class, and we know that running backs usually, usually hit quicker, that's a lot of the reason why everybody has both of them up at the front of the class, and we can talk about it. I mean, I know a lot of people have Walker above Hall, and it is definitely debatable. I just think Hall presents that three down back that we all want. And I think another reason why Walker, I, I took Walker at the 102 in, in Smash 3. And I'll tell you why. He is my running back, too. So he is behind Brees Hall for me. But I have many wide receivers ranked in front of him. Overall, in my rookie rankings, he'd probably be the 108. Okay, 107, wow. I mean, we all agree. But like, I took when him we at go 102. With, there are six wide receivers here that are fantastic it's exactly. just a matter of value that you can push it back. Exactly. I took him at 102 because my wide receiver one is Jamison Williams, and I got him at 108. So you flip those two. I knew that there's no way Kenneth Walker has fallen to 108. Yeah, that's a right? savage there's move. There's just no way. And so, I was like, watching that in Smash 3, right? I was like, I was like, dude, he doesn't like Kenneth Walker because I know we've talked about it. And I was like, I know he likes Burks, and he likes Williams, and he likes Alave, and you – you, you cleaned up on those guys, so I did. I did. <laughs> I think I don't know how Olave fell to me at 110 as well. Um, I was watching, you know, James Cook go at 109, and I laughed to myself because you just let Chris Olave fall to me at 110. Yeah, cool, yeah. thank you. 
Mung, what do you what are your thoughts on Walker there in that Seattle situation? Yeah, I've seen a lot of people talking about how great of a situation it is, and I'm not so sure that I'm on board with that. Um, obviously, we have the injury concerns with Rashad Penny, so I could definitely see Walker, you know, taking a lot of early down snaps, especially if Penny were to miss time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we saw Chris Carson do well as a fantasy running back too in Seattle, but a lot of that too was touchdown dependent. Yeah, very and much so. P- part of that is my my issue with Walker because. One, uh, we saw that the Seahawks' run game really kind of came together later on in the season. We had that hot stretch of games for Rashad Penny. Uh, but I, I wrote about him a, a month or two ago where some of that was really the, the competition that they faced, where they faced three bottom ten run defenses mm-hmm. in the last four or five weeks against the Texans and the Bears and the Lions. Absolutely. Uh, I'm not so sure that offensive line is that great, and I'm worried too about the overall offensive efficiency, right? We, we saw that the Seahawks really want to establish that run with Pete Carroll. So obviously Walker has that upside for a higher workload on the ground. But at the same time, I don't know about the reception volume. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that this offense is going to score that many touchdowns with Drew Locke at the helm. Yeah, and he's a guy that has – did you just say Drew Locke? Wait, 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 wait. It's, it's Geno Drew Smith. Locke is back. Smith, I thought you'd just like throw that back against me that it was going to be Geno. But, uh, you know, he did score 17 touchdowns in college. He's a guy that has a nose for the end zone. Led all of college football with those 20-plus yard runs. And, yeah, they are going to try to establish the run. But we all wanted one of these two guys. In a, in a mediocre class, we all wanted Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker to go to Buffalo or to go to Houston or to go to Miami or to go to Atlanta where they would just be three down backs. These aren't the worst situations going to the Jets, going to Seattle, but they're definitely not the best. At least they didn't have dynasty impact of like when we had Jeff Bell on, where we have it was going to kill J.K. Dobbins and and Austin Eckler to you know go into those situations. Let's move what, on to. Can you 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 brought up a, a good point though? You brought up Austin Eckler. I'm sorry. Let we're talking about running backs. Like let's bring up Isaiah Spiller because I think he's the heir apparent in San, in L. A. Jeez, I almost I, said San Diego again. I don't know. Fourth wow. round, I, I loved him going into the process, but fourth round draft capital matters, you know, and it's like, I think, you know, th- they've been trying to, does he even beat out Justin Jackson? Justin Jackson's had some upside there where it's like, I like Isaiah Spiller, but I don't think we're in a situation necessarily where he is clearly the heir apparent because when it comes to running backs, I mean, fourth round, how many, there aren't too many guys that go in the fourth round that really break out and they're like, let's not go get another guy. You know, it, it seems like that's the kind of trend that we're going there. And Austin Eckler does, does get a ton of volume, but you're right. It's worth monitoring. I've been seeing Isaiah Spiller going in the third round, which at that point I'm all in, you know, if we can get him as a third down as a, as a third round rookie pick, I'd even take him in the mid second. I've seen him in one of the smash leagues. He went in the late first I'm just not paying a first-round pick for him right now. Yeah, it's, that, that was smash three that he went 112. Um, I took him at the 206 in another league, and I felt like that was the, the right area for him. Um, and yeah. But to me, he's still, even with the situations, I know a lot of people want to put James Cook above him, want to put Damian Pierce because of purely the landing spots. Um, but I think Isaiah Spiller is still running back three. You, you're You're putting way too much weight into the landing spot. Buffalo isn't going to lean on James Cook at any point. They still have Devin Singletary. They still have the ghost of Zach Moss. Like, they, they're they not going to lean on James Cook the way people think they are. 
Well, James Cook is a guy that I think is going to be a sneaky good pass catcher. I think he is a better version of J.D. McKissick. He's great. They were even talking today, the offensive coordinator was talking about he's not a just a dump-off guy. He's a guy that can run routes. He's a guy that's going to go out there. And people want that in the Buffalo situation. I think Zach Moss is toast. I think Zach Moss is they, – they, they showed that last year when Devin Singletary took over. And I think, for me, I've moved James Cook into that three spot for sure just because I want pieces of that Buffalo offense – He's one pound. People say he's he's slight of frame. He's literally one pound under you know the threshold of what they really really try to shoot for in the NFL. So I mean, Mung, chime in there a little bit on Spiller and Cook. Yeah, and again, I think this is where I view this class a little bit differently from a lot of others because I, I think there's a bigger drop off from London and Jameson Williams to the rest of the wide receivers than there is. Um, from Hall and Walker to guys like Spiller and Cook, who, um, like Ian said, I do think that Spiller could see an immediate role as a rookie complementing Eckler. And we have to remember that Eckler is 27 years old this season. Um, Last year was the first out of the last three years that he did not miss significant time. So I think we could see Spiller handling a bigger workload than expected if Eckler were to miss time. And I do think that, you know, he's on, um, I think he has two years left on his contract and Eckler does not have much dead money left in 2023. Now, I don't foresee the Chargers cutting him or anything like that, um, but I do think that Spiller is a long-term upside bet who I would take a shot on in the late first round. And I actually have him just one spot above James Cook, who I think in PPR formats is going to have flex usability immediately as a rookie Um, in that third down role and potentially more because we've seen Buffalo kind of go with a hot hand approach at their committee backfield. We saw it. It was Moss early on last year, Mm -hmm. and then it was a mess, and Matt Breda was involved as well, and Singletary kind of came on late in the season. But who's to say that Cook can't immediately be handling 55 60% of the work as a rookie if he shows well in training camp? I think you brought up – I know this is a rookie show, but you brought up a great point – so in Smash 5, Austin Eckler went as the RB5, okay? Austin Eckler is 27 years old, coming off that first, you know, healthy season. Dalvin Cook is 27 years old, and we've written him off for dead. Alvin Kamara is 27 years old, and we've killed his value. Austin Eckler is 27 years old, coming off a lot of, you know, a lot of injury history here, and we still have him all the way up at, at RB5. Is Austin Eckler a sell, Mung? I mean, I think if you can move back into that area... Is he a sell in Dynasty right now? Because that is some... He's right up there. McCaffrey goes as like RB4, and then boom. It's Austin Eckler who's usually going as RB5. Yeah, I mean, if that's the going right, then absolutely. Because as you said, I think a lot of it is recency bias where McCaffrey's been hurt the last couple of years. Saquon Barkley's had his share of issues. Kamara's been hurt, and he also has that potential suspension coming. Dalvin Cook's had a lot of injuries. And Austin Eckler's had a lot of injuries, just not last year. Yeah. Basically, that's what people are remembering right now. So, yeah, if you're getting that kind of premium value, absolutely. Of course, he's not a sell just to sell because of his No, 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 none at all. But, I mean, we, we talk about it all the time on the show, trying to get out a year ahead. You know, and if, if you can end up going out there and getting, you know, getting something 
plus a first, you know, going and getting a, a David Montgomery or getting a, you know, a J.K. Dobbins type or, or one of those guys that we think might have a good season. Um, we always just try to get out there in front. But to corral it back in here a little bit, let's move over to our 103 because our listeners really want to hear about rookies. They keep talking about it. It's your wide receiver, one Mung. It's Drake London. I mean, he has the draft capital. He went at pick eight. Goes to Atlanta, a situation where I think one of us could have made the wide receiver core. You know, I, I don't know which one of us runs the fastest 40, but whoever it is, we would have made the team. Oh, Ian's putting his hand up. He's, he's, we, will, we will have that. We'll have our own smash except combine. Well, I mean, what he did in eight games last year, 88 receptions, 1,084 and seven, his ability to play outside from the slot. Now I'm seeing a lot of like, he doesn't have that top end speed. He doesn't have that separation, but I'm seeing a lot of Mike Evans in his game when I'm starting to look at things again, you know, if we get the, I don't think year one is the Drake London, you know, like if you love Drake London, I think Drake London might have a fantastic year two when we get another quarterback in there, we get that right situation. But I feel like it's going to be an interesting situation to monitor, you know, and we, 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 in today's fantasy game, we kind of write off a guy if he doesn't have a monster year one, he's definitely going to lead all rookies and targets, I believe. But Mung, I mean, this has been your guy. Take your take your victory lap here. Talk a little bit about Drake London. Yeah, look, and when I did my mock NFL draft, I, I mocked him to the Falcons as the first wide receiver off the board because I believed that he was a good Smith, uh, fit for Arthur Smith's offense. And I also think that Arthur Blank, the owner, wanted his Julio Jones replacement, and Drake London was the closest thing to that in this class. And I think the reason I disagree with a lot of people in my rookie rankings this year is because – in Dynasty, I want that long-term, true elite upside. And that's what I see with London and Williams, where I don't know that they're going to be um, very productive as rookies. Now, London could see that PPR volume, but certainly the quarterback play is suspect. And the same goes for Jameson Williams coming off of the ACL and with Jared Goff as well, who we probably won't um, see Williams' skill set maximized with Goff. But both of these teams are teams that could get significant quarterback upgrades as soon as next year. Um, potentially, Ritter could surprise us as well. We'll see about that one. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't think you're going into these rookie drafts thinking if you're a contender, Drake London or Jameson Williams is going to step in as my wide receiver too and anything like that. But long term, I think these are the two guys that have elite, um, you know, A.J. Brown type top five upside when he was with the Titans. Um, a Jalen Waddle type upside had Tyreek Hill not joined in Miami. Uh, these these two wide receivers, I think, are in a clear tier of their own. See, for See, me, Mung, I, I'm, I'm going to disagree here. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I love where you're coming from. But Drake London for me is like wide receiver four. Like he's he's in that tier two. I have I have a. Uh, I have uh, Wilson, Burks, and Williams ahead of him. Williams is my wide receiver one, Wilson two, and then Burks. Uh, Titans even came out and said they're going to force feed Burks. So he's going to have that year one production. Like, I, I don't see anything otherwise. What What is his competition there? Well, Robert let, Woods is his competition, and that's yeah. it. Like we uh, have, so, This is the tier, right, of, of London, Wilson, Burks, and 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 uh Williams and those are the, and and even Olave they basically go 3 through 8. I mean that's just mm-hmm. it's a preference thing and I I don't think we've seen this in dynasty where it's just been like oh who's your guy because we've had that the whole time. Mung's been a London guy and, and John's been a Wilson guy and I've been a Burks guy and I'm like 
I don't think I've we've been had a Williams it, guy. You know, and <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. And and you know, Matt Waldman's an Alave guy. You know, like this isn't usually how it goes. And I I wonder somewhat how that caps some of the ceiling of some of these guys. You know, we're going to talk about each one. So like, I love that you were you were going back and forth there. I think Drake London is a guy that I think is is in that in that range. A guy that I think is going to be a nice fantasy producer. For me, the guy that goes next is. is is usually Garrett Wilson. And I think Garrett Wilson, to me, is that you talked about that Tyreek Hill type upside. I mean, this guy is a home run threat with that 4.38 speed. He, he's lacking a little bit of polish. But, I mean, I, I like Zach Wilson throwing the ball to Garrett Wilson. I, I love the connection. I feel like it's going to be – he could have a very nice year one because I feel like that team is going to have a negative game script. They're going to be playing from behind a lot. I think the biggest takeaway that I'm seeing is the dynasty community, for some reason, is writing off Elijah Moore. And we've been talking about this for weeks. Elijah Moore could and probably will still be that wide receiver one on that team. And everybody's just kind of pushed his value down. And and that's something that I'm just not I'm not on board with at all. I mean, I think, I think Elijah Moore has some serious upside. I, I think his value probably went down, but it's not like the down that the fantasy community has produced out there. Um, so I definitely consider him a buy candidate. Um, but like kind of what I was saying about those other three wide receivers over London too, is I think where I see it, I know Mung, you said you see the upside in London. I, I don't see as much upside in him as I do guys like Williams and Wilson and Burks. Um, I think their ceilings are a lot higher than London's. Um, while I love Mike Evans, I do think that his London's absolute ceiling and we have never seen Mike Evans in dynasty go like in a startup, go first or second round. I don't know. No. 20, so, 2015, he was a first round pick, you know, right, right yep. after. And it hasn't really been since that, but I mean, you can't knock the value oh, of the guy. He's, that's he's, he's very consistent. Yeah. More absolutely. consistent than any wide receiver ever. Like, in my opinion, almost, almost ever, I should say. But, like, you don't see him ever going in that first two rounds of a startup. So I don't know if London can ever get to that point. I do see the Williams upside and the Burks upside and the Wilson upside to be able to get there. Um, will they? Who knows? I, 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 would, I would guess one of those three gets there. I was but showing my Which eight. one? <laughs> yeah. I was definitely showing my age there. We're talking about 2015 when – OBJ and Mike Williams were going neck and neck of who's the 101 because we didn't play Superflex in 2015. We're like, who's the 101 overall? We were like debating, you know, wide receivers there. Um, you know, I think we talked enough about London and, and Wilson. Let's move over to the guy that went, you know, it's crazy how the NFL draft went. I mean, you know, Drake London at eight, Garrett Wilson at 10, and then Chris Olave, same team. The Saints just don't care about draft capital. They move into the draft and they move up in the draft. And, you know, Chris Olave, four three nine speed, fluid throughout. I think we have a situation here where it's like, if Jamison, if if famous Jameis can actually put it together, Chris Olave could be somebody who who has a pretty productive year one. Oh, absolutely. I think that when you look at Olave, um, just look when we talk about draft capital. Cool draft capital. London was taken first. Saints gave up way more than the eighth pick to get Olave. They gave up almost like three first round picks for him when it all, when it's all said and done. So to me, that's more draft capital than Drake London got. Um, so I do like Olave. I'm not going to put him uh, above that tier of the first four wide receivers that we we talked about. 
but I think that he's right there um, at a half tier below. Um, he's someone I'm definitely targeting, but at the same time, I'm not going to overshoot either. And I think may- maybe the thing to do here, I mean, like you got to feel your, Mung, we talk about it all the time, of knowing your league mates and knowing your thing. So if I'm in a league with you, I'm going to try to trade back and, and let you take London. And we have, I think the idea here sometimes, everyone's going to have a preference in your rookie drafts, right? So someone might, you know, we all talk. Somebody might be a Wilson guy. Somebody might be a Burks guy, a London guy. Try to move back in that tier. Try to add some extra value. Try to really put yourself into a situation where you can move back. I saw, you know, in one of our drafts, a guy moved back from the 102 to the 105, and he added a 23 first. Like, if you can do that, that that is like, no, it's it's crazy. But it was outside Smash Except. I, would, I wouldn't condone it. But that was the type of move that I saw, you know. And I, I see you got to shop those picks because you might not have a preference. But there are people out there that do, and some of them are pretty strong. Yeah, I mean, definitely if possible. But I think that's easier said than done, right? The 2023 hype is pretty strong at this point for any dynasty GMs who are even slightly tuned in. Um, so I haven't seen a whole lot of movement in that top half of the first round in my leagues so far. Obviously, if you can make a move to move down a few spots and add a 2023 first, that's a smash accept. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, it, it is difficult because, like you said, there's a lot of different preferences here between those top wide receivers. Absolutely. And a lot of people are content to, you know, kind of grab whoever falls to them. So I think this year more than um, any in recent history, it's harder to trade down, especially with teams being pretty stingy with those 2023 firsts. I mean, we, we talk about a lot of sharp leagues, you know, and the ones that we're in in Smash Except. I mean, I'm co-managing a team, and it's, it's a lot of fun with, with Joshua Acton from, I believe he's in Smash 1. And he's like, hey, you want to co-manage with me? I'm like, sure. We added two more 23 firsts today just by moving back. You know, we ended up selling, I believe, the 107 for a 23 first. And then we were able to, someone really, really wanted to get in to, uh, I believe, I got to check who they drafted. But actually at the 207, we gave up a 207 and an early 23 second to get a 23 first. And that's the thing, like, if you're able to move around, no one knows where they're going to fall exactly in that 23 first range. If you can move in that area and make some moves and, and package up, you know, I don't like the second round in this class at all. I, I just don't. And we're going to talk about them. But in two of the Smash Accept leagues, two seconds were traded for a 24 first. Like, if you can get a first in that area and you're out on some of these guys, I mean, I would ask for an, ad, an add-on, but there's a certain point, and it's after you hit eight for me, that I would give away any of them, maybe even seven, because we got all those we got all those young, exciting wide receivers. But then we get to let's talk about nine and ten. These are the guys. It's Sky Moore and Christian Watson, right? We wanted wide receivers to go to Green Bay. We wanted wide receivers to go to Kansas City. Christian Watson, you know, incredibly athletic, a guy that you know maybe he might be productive year one but Green Bay according to Matthew Barry has never had a rookie wide receiver more than seven points per game in in fantasy you know with Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers is going to want a rapport there that's going to be a tough situation but there isn't anybody else to throw to I mean it is a it is going to be a weird situation with Alan Lazard let's uh, talk to me about Christian Watson first what are we what are we anticipating there 
And, I mean, he's from North Dakota State. There's a lot of things. Is he going to be able to play at the next level? What do we see from him? And are you guys comfortable taking those guys, both Moore and Watson, in that you know, 9-10 range? Yeah, I, I think that's an appropriate range for both of those guys. Um, I have Moore over Watson. We'll talk about Watson first. I mean, obviously the size and the speed and all the good reports from the senior bowl. But at the same time, you know, he's a pretty raw route runner. Mm -hmm. Um, He's had trouble with drops, uh, has some inconsistent hands. So he's really going to need to develop a little bit to win Rodgers' trust. We've seen when Rodgers gets that pissy look on his face and is yelling at uh, one of his receivers on on Monday Night Football, right, when the camera pans over to him. So, I, I mean, we could see Christian Watson not do very much as a rookie. Uh, I think that's the risk here, and we just don't know, right? I mean, we can project his development, but at the end of the day, we'll see if he can do it. And to me, Moore is a a bit more polished than him coming out, and I don't think that he has the pure upside that Watson would have with his athleticism and size Mm -hmm. if he were to develop, but I think Moore can hit the ground running as a PPR flex play, a wide receiver three, maybe become a wide receiver two down the line. I don't think he's going to be anywhere near a a one-for-one replacement for Tyree Kill. I haven't seen many people saying that, um, but there is some hype with Sky Moore. Uh, So I I will say that I would get him above Watson, but I would not reach for Moore over any of the top four guys in Wilson, Olave, London, and Williams. And then also while we're on the subject of Kansas City, I do like taking a shot on Justin Ross late, uh, maybe in the third round of your rookie drafts, just for the pure upside. I think Sky Moore, almost to me, I mean, we're looking at a, a extremely undersized wide receiver who we were talking about taking in the mid-second, you know, even when this process started, before we started really diving in, almost late second. And now all of a sudden, are we getting a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire type move where it's like, oh, he's on the Chiefs. Let's move him up. I saw people take him in one of my leagues at 105. He has no business being there. I'm going to repeat, he has no business going ahead of any of those guys in the top seven. I think Sky Moore is like, I mean, we're looking at, he's he is extremely undersized. He's quick. He's going to get open. But don't just overpay because he's in Kansas City. And, and Watson, same kind of thing. I love both of these guys are late first. They have some upside there. But there's some other guys I'm going to talk about who I, I actually like better than both of them. Ian? I will own not, none of them in any Correct. of my leagues. I won't own Watson. I won't own more. Um, Watson, I was super low on uh, coming into the draft, honestly. And I was giving Packer fans crap the entire draft being like they're going to take him at 22. Now, they didn't take him at 22. Um, they still traded two seconds for him, though. Um, I'm glad we got the better end of that trade. Uh, but I'm so low on Christian Watson. I don't think he does anything. Um, I, you, you saw me when you started talking about Christian Watson. I was over here grinning if you were watching the video just because I think it's hilarious because he's not he's not going to produce and Aaron Rodgers is going to get even more frustrated. Um, and it's maddening if you're a Packers fan that you have two first round picks and you don't move around <laughs> to try to get, I mean, this is a pretty good wide receiver class, oh, but absolutely. we don't even we move up in any of those. Too. 
Um, I, and then, and, and then as far as more, I was low on him as well. Coming, coming into the draft. Um, I think that these players are getting fully overdrafted because uh, of where they were drafted mm-hmm. um, and, and what teams they're playing for. I don't think that Sky Moore is going to be fantasy relevant, maybe a late flex, like a low end flex option. Um, and Christian Watson, I don't think by the end of year one, he's not cracking your starting lineup at all at any point. Um, so I, I, I would rather take guys and we're going to, you know, touch on some of my second round guys, but I'd rather take Mechie over him. I'd rather in a tight end premium, I would take McBride over both of them, like it, 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 any day of the week. Like I'm That's, trading out of the those. The move is trading out. Yeah, not Absolutely. taking one of those guys. Yeah, for sure. Um, the interesting part is, is across the Smash Except Leagues, you know, with James Cook goes 111 and we talked about him already. George Pickens goes 112, you know, and, and there's a lot to like. He would have been a first-round pick, likely, if he came out last year without the injury. Um, Deontay Johnson will be a free agent. You know, Ben Roethlisberger's gone. There's potential where he jumps into that area. Um, probably, again, a guy that I don't own any of. Um, but talk to me a little bit about Pickens, guys. I mean, I think Pickens is someone that, in in one of the Smash Accept Leagues, a guy traded up to get to 111 because he really wanted him in that situation. Uh what kind of ceiling are we looking at for for Pickens, and is he in that range for you guys? I think Pickens is what we hoped Claypool would be. Um, I think Claypool has fallen off a cliff. Um, and, and but Pickens do you think do you think Claypool has fallen off because Ben Roethlisberger's arm or his rookie year was a flash? Yeah, I, I mean, think his rookie year was a flash. I don't think it was Roethlisberger. I think his rookie year was a flash. Absolutely, because um, he still had Roethlisberger's lifeless arm thrown to him two years ago so mm-hmm. um it was slightly think, less uh, lifeless <laughs> he he was on his last uh nerve yeah um, but yeah i don't think that um he plays much of a role um in that offense anymore and i do think pickens takes that i probably still won't own much of him just because i'm trading out of that range if i can um but i do think pickens is the better option of that range um more than christian watson more than sky Moore. Um, I think it's more placement. He he's going to be able to to grow with with Pickett if that's their long term option, um, which we didn't bring up. We didn't Good. Even talk. Pickett. Perfect timing. The one hundred and six <laughs> in Smash, except the whole way across the board was been has been Pickett. It seems like it depends what league you're in. He's been going. He's been creeping his way up, and he is going to be a starting quarterback. You know whether you like him or not. Maybe by mid-year, maybe he, he beats Trubisky out. I feel like it's more of they're going to let Trubisky give it a shot, see what happens. But, I mean, small hands or not, Pickett will be a starter in this league. And if you really need a quarterback, 106 isn't a terrible place. You know, like I feel like that would probably be the ceiling for me. I feel like he's going to start creeping up, though, because he's the only quarterback taken in the first round of this class, Monk. Yeah, and I think 106 is actually exactly where I have him ranked in Superflex. Uh, I think the best way to describe how I feel about Pickett is he's fine. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. I, I mean, the ceiling was what, Baker Mayfield, like the, of, of his comp when he was coming out. So it's like, yeah, yeah I mean, he'll be okay. If, if he does well and develops, I think he can become, you know, like a Kirk Cousins um, okay. range of quarterback where he can be a reliable starter. Uh, but my issue with Pickett is, um, you know, he doesn't have that deep accuracy. Uh, and that's another reason I'm worried about Pickens as well, mm-hmm. um, whether it's with Trubisky or with Pickett, uh, beyond the injury history for Pickens too. 
But going back to Pickett, look, he's surrounded by talent right now. But like you said, Deontay Johnson's going to be up for a second contract pretty soon. And the biggest worry for me with Pickett is he he doesn't do great with pressure that, you know, yeah. where he kind of just panics sometime. And honestly, a big glaring concern for the Steelers is the offensive line. We saw them mitigate that with a ton of quick, short throws from Ben Roethlisberger last year. Um, I think that Pickett is going to sit behind Trubisky for a year. Hopefully, they'll improve the offensive line. So, yeah, if you're in a full rebuild and you need a quarterback, uh, you know, Pickett is a fine pick. But I'd rather trade down if possible or trade for one of those coveted 2023 firsts, like we just said. I like it. So I think if you're guys- gonna go, if you're gonna reach for a quarterback, go for the high upside. I think I'm not going for Pickett at all. I think actually, if you want my bold take, the the quarterback that I'm gonna draft first, probably even though I didn't in Smash Three, uh, just because I know other people's opinions. But the quarterback I would draft first is Sam Howell. I think he fell in the right the right situation, and I think he's gonna take Wentz's job before the year ends. Okay. I, I feel like all of the guys have an opportunity. I feel like Malik Willis is going to learn from Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill was gracious. He made the phone call to him instead of you know Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love where he's just going to blackball him. And I feel like this is – Malik Willis had to go somewhere where he's going to be able to sit. He's – He's going to you know, learn some things. Great coach there with Vrabel. Mung and I were talking about that where coaches matter in this type of situation, you know, when you get that quarterback. Um, I, but I think what, I, what I'm saying is right now, I would argue of the quarterbacks that they're, uh, they're sitting behind, so Marcus Mariota, Ryan Tannehill, Carson Wentz, I would argue that Carson Wentz has the shortest leash right now. They're all – well, what about Sam Darnold? Well, yes. Yeah, I mean, Darnold. Matt Corral has a chance there too. Like all these yeah. guys – come into play in that second round of Superflex. All the quarterbacks should go, and all those guys should go, including Desmond Ritter, in that second round. They should be you know, guys that you're going for with some upside because as soon as they start and if they get a starting job, they could be eventually worth a first, and that's kind of they move themselves into that situation. Um, and, and I think I've seen Sam Howe fall to the third in almost every league, so that's a value there. You know, If you can end up going out there and getting Sam Howe because – you know, if he comes out last year, that draft capital is so much better than where it was this year. Um, so the Malik Willis thing is crazy, right? We're, some people are talking about him going to Detroit at two, and then we just keep, well, he'll go to Detroit in the early second, late first. No, okay. Maybe Seattle. Nope. All right. When's he going to go? You know, he falls all the way to pick like 86. And I think Willis is someone that I have been advocating to people. If you're in that 205 range and you are not a win-now team, I don't think there is a more upside pick than Malik Willis in that area. I feel like the ceiling's still there. That, that Willis legitimately got drafted lower than Kellen Mond did last year. Yeah, it's it's it was it was shocking to me. Like I thought for sure, you know, given and imagine doing your rookie draft before the NFL draft. He was going one hundred and one in a lot of drafts. I mean, you know, and a lot of our analysts that came on had him as one hundred and one, and I would have considered taking him as one hundred and one just because of the high upside with those tools and whoo, it's going to be an interesting look, but let, let's move on to a couple of other guys here. We talked about the quarterbacks, the guy that I'm excited about that keeps falling that I drafted at, at two Oh four in, in smash Four, Jahan Dotson. I mean, he goes at pick 16 to the commanders and he's under the radar. I mean, he is a top 20 pick who's going 
behind guys that went in the third round. And we talk about draft capital matters with those wide receivers. If you're not a round one or round two wide receiver, it's tough really to break in there. And Jahan Dotson has the, the speed, the athleticism. He gets the Wentz discount because nobody likes Carson Wentz. And I think he just does everything effort, effortlessly enough that if he gets past some of the physicality issues, Jahan Dotson is a nice value in the second round. Yeah, he's another long-term upside guy, right? Because Terry McLaurin is there, but it sounds like he's unhappy and wants to get paid. So I don't know that he's going to be in Washington come 2023. Um, Certainly we'll see if Sam Howell is good because I think he's pretty accurate. So he could unlock Dotson as well. Uh, So yeah, I think he's got enough upside to belong in that late first, early second round. What about Terry McLaurin to the Packers and just make it happy for everybody? Happy for Rodgers, happy for Dotson, get him into that situation. Um, Who are some guys that you guys have been targeting in that second round? Because this is a class where in the second round, myself included, I've been trying to just trade out, trying to get some extra draft capital, trying to get a 23 second and an add-on, trying to get a Allen Robinson, you know, veteran type move. Who are you guys targeting in the second round? We'll go with you, Mung, first. Who's one of those wide receivers that you're like, I want to come away with this guy? Yeah, I like uh, Khalil Shakir a lot, and he's been falling a lot in rookie drafts. He's a versatile player, creates a ton of yards after the catch, and he landed in a great spot in Buffalo. Now, the draft capital is concerning because he is a day three pick, and Mm -hmm. generally those do not pan out very well. Um, But he's the only day three wide receiver I have ranked in my second round of rookie drafts because we've seen that Jameson Crowder has had a long history of injuries. We could see Shakir step into that slot role Mm -hmm. in an efficient Bills offense and become that outlet guy uh, for Josh Allen like we saw Cole Beasley was for the last couple of years. So I, I think he has a little bit of immediate upside as a rookie. And I think he's just a good overall prospect despite falling a bit further than expected uh, in the NFL draft. Yep, I like that one a lot for real-life football. And I think in fantasy, given an opportunity, you know, he's, he's, he's got a lot of upside. Ian, who's that guy in the second round you got to come away with? Um, there, there's a couple guys for me. Um, one, I think I brought him up. Uh, honestly, in a tight end premium league, the fact that Trey McBride is falling to the middle of the second is ridiculous to me. Um, I think he realistically should be end of the first in any tight end premium league. Um, I know people are kind of backing off because Zach Ertz plays for the Cardinals, but he's not going to be there that much longer, I don't think. Um, and and I think they're going to kind of implement what, uh, you know, what the Eagles had and make Ertz ask for a trade again. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, but as for any other guy, another guy I'm targeting is Alec Pierce. I think he yeah. did that one, that one, two punch um, in, in the, uh, of, of, of Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce is going to be pretty good. Um, and then the other guy I think I brought him up to is, is Mechie. I think he's going to be, he, he's going to be a target hog, honestly, if he, if he's healthy, um, obviously that's a big if with him. Right. Um, it's all about those, health with him. I mean, he runs absolutely. a pro caliber route tree. I think he would have went earlier, um, but he's got the draft capital there too. And Houston's going to be in negative game scripts. Brandon absolutely. Cooks can't catch all the passes there. I do like him better than Nico Collins. And I think that that is a nice, nice upside piece there. Literally in that, in that round. Um, a couple other guys here definitely wanted to, to talk about Jalen Tolbert, David Bell. You know, I, I think both of those guys, Bell kind of, really hurt his draft capital at the combine, a guy that we had higher. And Jalen Tolbert, 
again, go, goes to Dallas. There's not much else there in that range. Maybe even Wandale Robinson, a guy, another guy I'm not huge on. Um, Mung, is there someone that differentiates out of that group or another guy that you're targeting for that like late second, early third round? Yeah, I mean, this class is pretty hard to rank because it's really very fluid after, I would say, the early second round. Uh, there's arguments to make for pretty much anyone you want based on upside. Um, for me, I think Hassan Haskins is flying under the radar a little bit simply because Derrick Henry is going to be 28 years old coming off of a major foot injury. And Haskins is that bigger bruising type of back who could actually be a legitimate handcuff and see all the early down work in Tennessee uh, if Henry were to miss a little bit more time. And I touched on Justin Ross before where, you know, the neck condition and the surgery caused him to go undrafted, but he was absolutely dominant as a freshman. Um, and, you know, if, if he can stay healthy with Mahomes there, I mean, the sky is the limit for Ross where he could be worth nothing a year from now, or he could be worth a first round pick a year from now. Ooh, we got a big alert here. I am on the clock for Smash 5, so we got to get this out there. You know, I got Jalen Hurts, Matthew Stafford, and Joe Mixon so far. I loaded up in the third round. I got back-to-back picks here, and I need some experts. So Debo has slipped. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, DK Metcalf, Devontae Adams, T. Higgins all have fallen to that area. The best running back available is Dalvin Cook, feels a little early, and Travis Kelsey. Who are you guys taking out of that group? Debo, Tyreek, Waddle, Metcalf, Adams, and T. Higgins. Give me two, Mung. Uh, what was your roster again? Sorry. Right now, I have I have two quarterbacks and I got Mixon, so I'm not all. I need, I'm looking at two wide receivers here in this round. Best running back available is Dalvin, Derrick Henry, and Antonio Gibson. And in the wide receivers, we're looking at Debo, Tyreek, Waddle, Metcalf, and Devontae Adams and T. Higgins. Who's there at uh, quarterback? You said it's super fast. Oh, I, right I already now. got two quarterbacks. Right, but, but who's available? So, so Aaron, yeah. Fields went the pick before. Aaron Rodgers is the best available. Ooh. Uh, yeah, yeah, they got I, hit hard. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I, I want Waddle long term. I, I know that Tyreek Hill there is going to cap his upside for the time being, but I do think that Waddle has that elite upside. Uh, we saw flashes of that as a rookie, and uh, that's still my guy. And I get one more, too. I mean, Ian, who's the other guy then? I know you uh, talked about Waddle before. Yeah, I'm pretty high on Debo still. Um, I I do worry if he gets traded, but he's not out of San Francisco yet. And I think that's why his, his draft capital is going down. Had, um, had to cover it just because we were there. Oh, absolutely. Here's, I think that I think uh, people are undervaluing T. T Higgins is, is, is good value there, I think, um, as well as, as DK. I, like, I think. I think so. Like those, it would be out of those four for me. Um, might, pick pick oh, your favorites there. I might like move back a little bit because I got like there's like eight of them there. Now here's the biggest thing, and this is what I really want: is when we get to that third round, fourth round, we start to talk about a running back who gets an opportunity, and we're almost done with you know the time on the show. But what running back here gives you an opportunity who's worth investing in? You know, we talked about the big three, but and and. We talked about Spiller already, but outside those guys, give me a running back who could get an opportunity here to pay dividends where you draft him in the third and he becomes a starter for six weeks in the playoff run and you can trade him for a second. Ian? Um, I'm going to go with Kyron Williams. He okay. uh, Akers has that that 
um, you know, injury history. Unfortunately, who knows if he goes down, I think Kyron Williams can be that guy. He tanked his stock with the combine, Mm -hmm. um, but he was consistently running back four before that combine. Um, So I think that him going to a a very favorable situation um, with the Rams, um, they might even make it a one, two punch with Akers and and Williams, to be honest. Um, And then end of the, sorry, I didn't get end of the second, end of the second running back really quick, I think would be uh, Zamir White. I think the the Raiders just declined picking up Josh Jacobs fifth year option. So I think he's out of there. So I think White gets that chance there too. I like it. Mung, give me, give me one name. That's a guy that you think could possibly pop into a starting lineup some point this season. Yeah, if you want to talk about uh, you know backfields where anything could happen, uh, give me Pierre Strong with the Patriots, who he's lightning fast. I think he can fill in that James White role with White getting a little bit older. Um, perhaps not immediately, but we'll see. Uh, he's a guy who all it takes could be just one injury away from a monster three touchdown game uh, <laughs> randomly where Mac Jones hands it off to him or dumps it off and he takes it for a long gain. And then all of a sudden you can get an early second for him, maybe more. There you go. I like Brian Robinson uh, with Washington. If Antonio Gibson goes down, I mean, they're not going to turn the keys completely over to, you know, JD McKissick, you know, and we've, we've seen this situation where it's not a bad offensive line. So I kind of like him a little bit. I'm excited to just talk into rookies more and more as the weeks go on. But thanks again um, for both you guys coming on. Ian, why don't you tell everybody anything you got going on where they can find you and then we'll go over to you, Monk. Absolutely. You can find me at Super Skull Fan on Twitter. Um, I'm kind of just keeping up with uh, all the trades I'm doing. I trade a lot. Um, so I bring all those to the table. I bring up potential trades um, right now. Um, I think, you know, obviously, if you can get those 23 first, we've, we, I don't think we've said it literally enough. Um, but if you listen to this podcast, you probably have them if you can. Um, but yeah, just keep grinding. The only people that lose fantasy, in my opinion, are those that don't stay active. I love it. And I know Ian hasn't been on the pod, but he's been super active in the group chat. Again, guys, I, I can't stress this enough. If you guys want to be part of that group chat, it is literally, honestly, I don't even... <laughs> I don't, I don't even have industry group chats anymore because I like talking it up with these guys so much. I love, you know, Mung and myself and, and, and Ian and John just interacting with all of you guys and really just trying to push each other's trades and make each other better. And some of you guys even call me out, you know, and I like that. And we even talk about it in, in, the, in these drafts. People are like, oh, well, this is like I've been trying to make trades and like, Dad, that's not what you said on the pod. And I'm like, ugh. No, <laughs> like win your leagues by being in, in, in group conversations with better dynasty owners and, and learning things. Uh, Monk, what do you got going? Yeah, like I said, uh, all my rookie rankings are out over at FantraxHQ.com, one quarterback and super flex. I'll be updating those pretty often depending on, uh, you know, as training camp goes on, once we get to see flashes of these rookies, they're probably going to move up and down a little bit. Um, I've, I've played around with the rankings even a little bit today, uh, just a couple spots up or down for a couple of the guys based on more of what I'm seeing. So really, you know, it's it's fluid, but uh, remember, we're just here to help guide you. If there's somebody you love, go get your guy, especially in this class. Uh, I, I think there's an argument to be made for a, 20 different guys in the second round. So uh, best of luck in all your rookie drafts. Thanks again for tuning in, guys. Reminding you, Traylon Burks is actually the wide receiver one in this class. Enjoy the process.